This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Investor Mindsetters, welcome back to another awesome episode. Just finished up interviewing Elizabeth Faircloth, who is well known for work with Bigger Pockets. They run a very successful YouTube channel, and they're teaching investors all around the country how to invest better. So what was really great about this episode, something that really spoke to me was we got into personality profiles and understanding how the person that you are and the person that you work with and the people that you are partnered with, how they all really fit together. So we're going to really dive in because she was an expert and uh, consultant on some of these personality profiles and has really been able to dig deep into them. We get into so much more in this episode. It's really fun and I'm excited uh, for you guys to listen to it. But before we do... As always, I have to ask, please head over, drop a five-star review, and write us a written review wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. If you can do it on iTunes, that helps get us even higher up in the rankings and help us reach even more people. And something that's really exciting, wanted to announce that we're putting on the Investor Mindset Summit, a two-day summit that is going to be full of great strategies and tips on personal development for real estate investors. We're going to hear from some incredible investors from around the industry that their experiences and the specific tactics that they use to grow their wholesaling, their flipping, or their multifamily business. And we're going to be diving into some specific strategies on the personal development front so that you can unlock your full potential in your mind and really take your business to the next level. And so this is going to be great for people who are just getting started. It's going to be great for people who are at or beyond anyone else's expectations who are kicking butt and just need to get that little extra oomph. So if you're interested in that, we're going to be announcing all of the details very soon. And those who join the Insider Club for free at theinvestormindset.com are going to be able to find out all that information first and foremost. Head over to theinvestormindset.com. We're going to be sending out information about that very soon. And we'd love to have you guys. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am very, very excited. I have Liz Faircloth in the studio today. How are you doing, Elizabeth? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm doing awesome. Uh, Liz has been managing and investing in real estate since 2004 alongside with her husband. She has built their business from scratch, and now they own over $5 million in residential and commercial assets. And maybe that number has grown since, since I wrote this down, because I know you guys are doing so much. And she loves to help and educate other investors, which you probably know her from her work with Bigger Pockets on YouTube and her podcast named Real Estate Invest Her. And we're really excited to have you. Wonderful. I'm excited to be here. I love the mindset theme, you know, because it's so critical. (laughs) It is. It's so important. And, you know, obviously you've done a lot in real estate. You've helped a lot of people. You've, you've kind of already, you've been building a good life, it looks like. But why don't we start out by taking a look back? You know, what events or influences from your childhood Hmm. shaped who you are today? It's really an interesting question. Um, because then you, you wonder how kind of the, the whole map kind of navigated to where you are today, right? Um, I mean, I grew up in a, in, a, in a really wonderful family, very loving family uh, in New Jersey. And I was the youngest of three. And in a lot of ways, I 
I always liked helping people. I always liked, I mean, we had no, I had no experience in real estate, uh, none. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like my parents' own property besides our own primary residence. Uh, but then as I got a little bit older, actually, my parents actually bought a condo to invest in. And that was around the same time I started investing as well. But um, but yeah, I mean, I had a wonderful upbringing. I actually en- ended up getting my degree in social work, my master's degree in social work. So I wanted mm-hmm. to be a therapist. And then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, hold on, maybe I can help people in a different way. you know. And I mm-hmm. really got really present to just the power of, of you know, living your life on your own terms. Um, and I, and I didn't think I wanted to be a traditional therapist. So I, you know, went through that schooling uh, and I'm very grateful for it, but I never actually used it. And then I ended up getting a corporate job. My husband decided to take on our investing business full time. One of us needed to make some money. So I said, let me, let me get a corporate job. And that was about, um, seven years I had that role. And, and then I left it to have my first son, which was about five years ago to, you know, work primarily in real estate. So what was it growing up when you were a kid that, you think plays into the reason why you felt comfortable taking on this big leap and moving into real estate. Now I, I hear the rich dad, poor dad, and that was the trigger. That was the moment where you're like, there's another way. What do you think it was that influenced maybe even being open to something like that? That's a really great question. I mean, I actually have never thought of that. I, I would say in a lot of ways, I always was, was a risk taker. And in my own way, maybe it's because I was the youngest or I just kind of, I kind of did what I wanted to do when, you know, in a, in a good way, of course, I was a good kid. But um, I remember, you know, I used to sell Gatorade gum and I sold it for a profit. Mm-hmm. So, and then I got caught and then I, you know, got in trouble and I wasn't able to sell my Gatorade gum anymore. Mm-hmm. But that was an interesting little entrepreneurial, you know, moment, right? I mean, it didn't last years, but I had this need to like add value and I, I saw people wanted it and figured out how to, how to do that. Um, I'd also say I, uh, in college, I was able to, take some risks and try new things. And I had this yearning for that. I ended up raising money to, to help me pay for a, um, a trip to Fiji and help uh, families build homes in, um, you know, in this very rustic village, you mm-hmm. know, no electricity type of environment. So I, I feel like there was moments in my life that like the moments you feel most alive, I was trying new things, I was taking risks. I was, um, again, risk in a, in a very controlled way as a kid, but um, having these like little entrepreneurial moments, I, I call them. And, uh, and then, you know, it kind of leads you to opening your eyes to a new way and not having the traditional uh, life. My parents weren't entrepreneurs, but they were incredibly supportive of whatever path we wanted to take, whatever we wanted to do, um, just, start, you know, work hard. So I, I took that from my parents. Yeah, that's really great. So tell us a little bit what it is that you're focused on today and you know what is it that you do? Sure. So uh you know what the big the big focus for us now we we've kind of had a lot of different investment kind of experience over the years. You know, you start and you don't know what you're doing and you get involved in sometimes various things in commercial, residential. And one thing that we did early on was get in, in uh you know buy multifamily. And that was probably uh like the you know the Burr method where you're buying, renovating, mm-hmm. uh, you know, repeating, uh, renting and then repeating and then doing it over and over again. That was like the the key to kind of our growth. And then we just got into bigger multifamily as we went. We did it very steadily. Uh, we didn't just buy a hundred unit, um, where, where you know some uh-huh. of the folks out there say that's the that's the uh, approach. We definitely didn't do that. We we started small and this grew 
you know, in a very like steady way, if you will. And uh, so multifamily, buying multifamily now is our, our, you know, our focus where we raise money and put teams together and um, buying larger multifamily in uh, the country. So that's our focus. We have other projects we're, we're doing. We do some fix and flips. We have some mixed use buildings. We have a commercial building. But we're really, really zoning in on our focus and, and then, you know, trying to complete some other projects and new construction. I mean, I can yeah. list all the things we've done over the years. No. But, uh, but and yeah. That make, and, and that makes so much sense. I, I think focus is definitely key to success. If you have too many things that you're doing, it's hard to do any of them well. What do you say to those people um, who are wanting to get started and they're wanting to go out and maybe, you know, fall in your footsteps and they're questioning whether they should start small and steady? whether they should go really big right off the bat. What's your philosophy on that? You know, you can get burned pretty, pretty badly in this business. And, and, you know, we have, you know, we've, we've, we've lost money. Um, we've had projects not work. Um, thankfully, a lot of things have worked and then you make it right and you move on and you learn from it. But, you know, this is not something, I don't think this is like a, a business that's like, you know, you can just start and, you know, Go big, and then well, hopefully it'll work out. Like that, you're you're putting a lot at risk in this business, especially um, whether it's people's money, your own money, um, people that live in the property. I mean, there's just a lot of stakeholders, if you will, that's involved in this business. So, I, I, I'm a big fan of you know, the right team needs to be in place to go big. So if you're going to go big, then you better have people behind you that can be, a, a, by be mentors or, um, you know, just keep you out of trouble and keep you out of harm's way, so to speak. Um, and if you are going to do it, you know, get some experience with some smaller multis. That would be my best recommendation. You manage the property. You start, you start managing other people's property. If you buy larger properties... Chances are you're not going to be managing a hundred unit yourself. You're going to have a property management company. And if you don't know a bit about property management, you could be taken by them, so to speak. You don't know yeah. even what to ask. You don't know what's the right or wrong approach. So I'm a big fan of people getting experienced, hands-on, and then moving into things that maybe they want to. But if you can't manage a 10 unit, you can't manage a hundred units. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, and they're different. They're different. Different strategies. One, you might need a property management company. One, you don't you can make that argument. But I'm a firm believer if you can't manage $10, I wouldn't give that person $100, right? It's the same, yeah. it's the same idea. They're definitely different things, but I think it's so true because you know I'm one of those people who just likes to dive in. I like to go all in on whatever I'm doing and I'm like, I'll know, I'll find a way. When you're talking about really big amounts of money, the smallest percentage in loss is actually a huge percentage of dollar amount. And I don't know, most people who are just getting started probably haven't lost 40 or 50 or 100 or 200 or $300,000 yeah. across multiple deals. And once you've done that, you at least know where your risk tolerance is. Can I deal with this? That's right. In the, in, when you're going really big, what ends up happening is you're working with the potential to lose millions of dollars. And so it makes sense to at least get your feet wet and decide, okay, well, where am I really on this path? Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So talk to me about, talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges that you're facing in your business today and, you know, how you end up overcoming those. Yeah. I mean, I think we've had so many things happen to us. I, th I feel like over the years that, you know, you, you, you look back and go, there's so many moments that you probably could have just stopped and said, okay, we're good. You know, we're going to get into something mm -hmm. different, but then you have those moments. Okay. We're going to overcome this and move through it and learn from it. 
And so those moments that you grow and then you're able to kind of get where you're going. Um, the challenges right now for us are, you know, really building, really building teams and processes and, and letting go of things that, you know, that we might be doing that others need to be doing. So what ends up happening is you, you, you grow something and then people do things because they're there, right? And especially my husband and I working together. And uh, we had a property management team that we kind of let go when we decided to outsource all of our property management. So the, the properties that weren't close to us, we were already doing that. But for many years, we were managing everything locally to us that we that we owned. And that was, again, again, a great experience, but it got to the point where like, okay, are we in the property management business? Are we in the, you know, what business are we in? And not every business is aligned with your own strengths as well. I think some yeah. people can manage property management very well because of their personality and their strengths. It's it's probably not, I wouldn't say our strength, you know, um, or even... So, so anyway, so to answer your question, I think we had to then let go of our team. So we got much more lean. And, uh, and now it's, you know, we're, we're ramping back up, really building up our, our apartment building syndication business. Um, and now we're just looking to really create processes and systems. And, and it's not something I'm great at, um, because my husband and I are really, uh, we have a partner and we're really in charge of the investor relations. So raising money, you know, taking care of our investors, those sort of things. Mm -hmm. He's all, we're also involved in like the asset management, of course, because we're small, but, um, you know, we have a um, partner who's more operations. And um, so anyway, I'm, I'm actually, I hired a coach. She's helping me kind of like really document everything, every workflow. And, um, you know, what do we automate? What do we delegate? And then with the, with the goal of having like hiring like an investor relations support person in the next six months. But um, it's painful at times because yep. you're like, you just, you know, you really get to the point where you're like, okay, I can't be doing this anymore. There's other things I need to be focused on that are not, you know, it's sometimes the tasky stuff, if you will. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind absolutely. of what, what we're working through. And it's really good stuff, but we really, we're trying to step up our investor relations and just give these investors even more than they, they want. So, or need, excuse me. And, and that makes so much sense. But something I want to, I want to, I want to latch onto there that you were talking about is identifying your strengths. So you mentioned that you guys have been going through this audit process, identifying where you guys are strong versus where you're weak and maybe where you need to fill in mm -hmm. some of those gaps. How do you go about identifying your strengths? Yeah. Uh, so, so for the, the, when I said I had corporate experience, the, the role that I actually did was I actually consulted with businesses to help them like form teams. So I was actually an expert in a personality assessment called the predictive index. So, so this is a, okay, a passion yep. of mine. So I know, you know, this is, this is what I actually consulted on. And, and I think this way still, um, you know, strengths is an interesting thing. I think there's three buckets that people, you know, your listeners can think about like one is personality. One is just your personality. And that's not really dependent on anything you know, but it's just who you are. So there's people that are risk takers. There's people that are cautious. There's people who are analytical and more introverts. There's people who are very extroverted. Um, there's people that are very steady and methodical. There's other people that are very, you know, impatient. And then there's your, your experts who want to know everything about things. And then there's people like, just give me high level. I don't want to know. I don't want to know much. So person uh -huh. knowing yourself is critical uh, is the first step. So I would take, you know, you could take so many, there's so many great assessments out there, but take a good one, pay for one and just know yourself and know where your limits are and think about this. It's a day-to-day -day thing um, because your partners should compliment you 
they shouldn't be like you. And they'll frustrate you. That's the bottom line is that uh-huh. we, people different than us frustrate us, but they're actually who we need. And then your great, your greatest part, take any great team, they're, they have a yin and a yang. They got the analytical, brainy one, and then they got the person who wants to sell and be out there. I mean, take any good partnership. They're not the same. Mm-hmm. They're not two people who like to talk. That would be disastrous. So that's the first area. The second area is then like skills. You know, what skills do you have? Um, this business takes a lot of core skills, whether it's analytical skills or, you know, technical skills or people skills. You know, I think of mm-hmm. skills is different than your personality. Personality is your innate, your innate like go to. Skill is something you can learn. People don't learn to be extroverted. I mean, they could, but you either are, or you aren't, and then you work around that. Skills are something mm-hmm. that you have to really identify what am I really good at in terms of my core? Like, what do I want to do on a day to day basis? Um, and then I also would say, what, where's your experience been? You know, so some people, I was talking to a woman the other day, um, cause I'm very passionate about supporting women in this business. Not that I don't like men and you're a great guy, but you know, we, we just kind of <laughs> come to find, you know, a lot of women aren't, um, investing and, and sometimes it's a little more male, male dominated. So I was talking to her and she goes, I don't know where to go, where to begin. And I'm not sure if I have any skills I can take, you know, and I, and I said, what have you been doing? She's like, oh, I've been a financial analyst. I said, well, that's a good skill to have in this business. Because yeah. I didn't think of it that way. And you know, I don't think we think about how transferable the skills we have are when we're transitioning into this, this business, whether it's part-time or full-time. So, so those are three areas is really, you know, the personality, skills, and, and experience. And once you kind of get those three figured out, you can kind of start to say, okay, what is the asset that I want to invest in need? What do I have? And then where are the gaps and how do I manage that? Do I just learn it all or do I partner with people or JV with people or what have you? Yeah, very, very strong point you made there. I mean, when you're talking about personality, it's so easy for us, especially when we're getting started out, when we're new to business, we're new to some adventure, that we want to just be hanging out with people we like. Yeah. That we want to be hanging out. <laughs> and and you should you you should like the people that you're working with. But it's probably normal if there's a little frustration because what you're really looking for is somebody who's going to help, you know, offset your weaknesses and you're going to offset theirs. And then together, you're actually going to be much stronger. Absolutely. Because if there's two people who have the exact same skill set and they are the ones who are partnered together, then you've got to hire on somebody to try to fill that spot. And when you're in a young business, it's hard to afford to hire right. somebody on at that same level of, of what you're looking for. And I've experienced that, you know, and, and it's until you kind of realize, well, I need somebody who is different than me. I need somebody who's analytical, somebody who is an operations person, somebody who makes the trains run on time and wants to execute. That's, I mean, I can execute, but it is not the energy filling activity. Um, and so when you can start learning that stuff about you, yourself and others, you can be a better leader, a better manager, a better partner, and a you know a better partner in your personal life. Yeah, absolutely. And it evolves, right? I mean, it's not something that, you know, you, you want, I'm, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly figuring out, you know, better ways and better approaches because you evolve as a person, which is a good thing, you know? Yeah. And so when somebody is deciding that, hey, I want to learn more about myself and I want to learn more about my team, and they're going to go and do some personality profiling, which I'm a huge fan of. I use it directly in all my hiring. Uh, what what would be the steps? What would be something that somebody should look for? And how do they even know what these tests mean if they haven't if they haven't ever done it before? Hmm. Well, I think I think the key is 
there's two pieces to it. I, you know, it's, you know, my old, my old stomping ground of, uh, you know, assessments that I used to do, but the personality is one thing, right? So you can have someone take these, take an assessment and it says they're this type of person. That's great. But in and of itself, it really doesn't mean as much because you have to really look at what the role you need them to do. So you have to think about the role and then you start to think about the people and what's like, it's like a matching game, really. And then with, and then the team is the second part. But with regards to like roles versus people, you really want to assess the role. So if you, okay, I, I need someone to um, manage my social media, you know, or even like someone like myself, we want to hire someone to do, you know, be really an investor relations support person and um, to really support, you know, primarily my husband as he's, you know, raising money and what have you. I have that role in my head, right? So I'm going to write down all the things that this person needs to have. And we think about job descriptions or what have you. That's important. You know, skills are important. But what type of person do you want to have, right? Do they need to be detailed? Do they need to be um, service related? Do they need to be aggressive and assertive? Do they need to be um, persuasive or direct? All different types of people. So think about the role you need and then you can start to really think about the people that could fit that role. People do it the other way around. The people, you know, will take these assessments, give them to people that they're considering, read it and go, oh, yeah, that sounds like someone we can, that would be helpful. But they're not, mm-hmm. they're not actually comparing it to actually what they need in an objective way. So that's actually the approach we used to take um, back in the day, you know, or any of these really kind of more work-related assessments will do is you actually measure the job first. And then you think about the people. On the team aspect, it's so helpful to have your partner take this, take the actual like personality side of it. So then you're like comparing and contrasting. Um, I think about, you know, obviously I know my husband super well just because we've been married almost 14 years now. Uh, But I think about his personality a lot and where we butt heads and where we don't. And then my other partner, Andressa, who's really on the our investor, our investor community and the podcast and the business that we have, you know, started very recently, she's a very different personality than me. And so as we've grown together, you know, I've we've, you know, kind of tweaked certain things, but I have her style in my head all the time. And I have it with my husband too. Um, and our other partners. I really know where they're coming from. And that's the other thing is it gives you people, it gives you an approach where you can start to get, oh, this is where this person's coming from versus, you know, you think you're right and you think, you know, you're, and it's hard because I, you know, I have that too. I I won't say that I've never thought that, but I really think about from the other person's perspective. So yeah, start with yourself, think about the job and think about, okay, I got to match what I need with the role, you know, what I need with, with the person that I'm considering. And don't fall in love with people. Sometimes the nicest, yeah. friendliest people aren't the right fit for certain roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying don't hire people that are, you know, that sure. can't talk to you. I mean, I'm not saying that, but, yeah. you know, just because they had a great interview doesn't mean they're the right fit for the role that you need. Totally. Well, I found that the more that I learn about myself, the more that I can understand other people better. And so it's through these kind of personality profiles that you can start digging in and understanding, okay, well, does that relate? What do I feel about this? And as you start learning about this stuff, it ends up making so much sense. And now when I meet people, I can ask a few questions and I can... I, I can get a good understanding of whether they're analytical or whether they're outgoing Absolutely. or whether they fit into these different different categories from a personality standpoint. And then when they actually take the thing, you really kind of see what's below the surface. Very, very valuable, both in personal and the professional world. Absolutely. So, so tell me, why have you succeeded uh, where others in the industry have given up and failed? 
It's a good question. I mean, we, my husband and I started when we were in our 20s. So we started young, uh, no business experience, you know, no entrepreneurial experience. So we kind of went to the school of hard knocks. Things took us longer, you know, uh, you know, so we, we probably made more mistakes than maybe others that are a little more seasoned or have been in business or you have some of that, you know, wherewithal. I think, I think the key is that we've never given up. We, we, we know where we want to go. We know what we're creating. It, it, we, we keep kind of like the vision of where we're going very much bigger than where we are. And I think that's always, always motivated us to keep going. Um, mm-hmm. We've also had a lot of our own money at stake or we've had, we've, our, our parents, both of our parents are very, um, you know, grew up very middle-class, both of them. And uh, my mm-hmm. dad actually gave us our first loan on, on the first duplex we bought. And mm-hmm. my parents, both my, our sets of parents, my, my husband's um, mom and dad at the time, he, he passed away recently, but, and my parents are just hardworking people. So we knew like being good stewards of their money initially and now money of you know over 100 investors that that work with us it just is really important to us so we work hard for ourselves but more importantly now our investors and anyone that's ever been involved in our projects so i think for that for those reasons you know you just you don't give up and you keep making it better and you want to exceed people's expectations because they trusted you right they've been they've been they've been you know they've invested with you which is i think a very big honor and and we don't take lightly um so i you know you kind of really keep that in mind so everything i'm working on now what motivates me is you know taking care of our investors i keep that in mind even when i get a little overwhelmed with processes and it's painful sometimes what i'm doing but um it's important because i see the result so yeah i mean not giving up i mean we've had a long journey but we've had moments of really easy to give up yeah that makes so much sense so from a success standpoint how would you define success and what is success to you? Hmm. That's a good question. I think success gets defined. Success, I feel like, you know, if you go on Facebook, success is one thing. Uh, if, you, if you really think about what does success look like to you, you know, I, I always said to Matt, my husband and I talk a lot about this and same with Andressa because I probably talk to them the most because of what we have going on and all of our stuff. Um, I think success comes down to living life on your own terms whatever those terms are, whatever that lifestyle is. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think amount of units somebody owns actually matters. You know, where people are like, how many units do you own or manage? And, you know, it becomes, what's the lifestyle you want? You know, what, what do you want to give to the world? And what amount of money is going to get you there, right? And how do you want to earn yeah. that money? Um, do you want to work for it? It's like the whole earned money, you know, earned income, you know, the, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's four quadrants, earned income and, you know, passive income and all that good stuff. So yeah, I think it's identifying what success looks like to you. For, for my husband and I, um, you know, what success looks like to us, because we talk a lot about it, is, you know, living life on our terms and, and having freedom and being uh-huh. able to go where we want to go when we want to go with whatever it costs. Um, you know, and we're, we're, we're on that path. I think we, we've done that um, in, in, in some ways. And then there's other bigger things we want to do and, and be able to do. So, um, so yeah, that, that's what kind of means success to me. Also making a contribution and, and impacting a lot of people, you know, is very important. I think it means that, that there's a success part. Um, if what you're doing and you're making a lot of money and doing great, but not really helping anyone, um, that's hard for me. Um, yeah that's hard for me to kind of just swallow. I just, I just think it's so important as, as 
people, you know, earn and learn and grow, they need to be doing that and helping others along the way. That's just my personal philosophy, but, um, you know, not everyone probably agrees with that. Hey, it doesn't matter what other people agree with, just yours. So based on that philosophy, do you feel, do you feel successful? I do. I do. You know, I, I have, I think I've always had this, I measure my success sometimes where I am versus sometimes looking back to see where we came from. I'm uh-huh. sorry, where you, where you want to go. Excuse me. I sometimes live in the future and sometimes you're like, uh-huh. ah, you know, there's certain things that aren't the way you want them to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I stop myself and I'm like, no, you know, you have to, you have to look back to see where you came from and what you have done well. And, and so, yeah, basis of that, I think we are, I think I am, not think, I am living a successful life. Um, you know, I think we always want to expand and grow. So I think that's just normal and common, but yeah, I, I would say yes. And, you know, more to come and, you know, more, more growth and expansion. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So what are some of your keystone habits, the things you do on a daily or weekly basis that help lead you to living a great life? You know, there's a lot of different um, things I've tried over the years and the, the things that stick with me is obviously exercise. So important. And, um, you know, I have two little ones. So sometimes it's not, and I'm, and I'm working in our business and I'm working part-time. So I'm not consumed by work. So I have this, you know, pulled in different, different areas and directions like many of us, but I make it a commitment um, to work out three to four times a week. Um, and, and th- so that's a big rock for me. Um, prayer is a big rock for me. Just really getting quiet in the morning and praying. If, if that's something that, you know, people want to do or get quiet with themselves, or whatever that higher yeah. power looks like to them or that greater power looks like to them. But that's really key for me just to kind of stay grounded. Um, and meditating. I've been meditating, um, consistently. I've done it on and off. Uh, but pretty consistently recently. And that's been really helpful for me. Um, the other habit that I'm going to be doing that I, that I didn't realize I wasn't doing enough is, is just taking time for me. So maybe that's a book mm-hmm. or every book I'm reading, I feel like I'm reading for like a mastermind group or exercise yeah. keeps you fit. Um, you know, meditation keeps your mind fit. But I said, I just realized recently that I need to be doing more just for me, maybe going to get a coffee yeah. and taking a half hour when my husband gets home, like, hey, let me just, you know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. So I think that's a habit that I'm going to be doing more of um, because I think that's just critical. But yeah, the, the meditations, the, the meditation, the, the prayer and the, um, and visualizations, that's a huge habit too. I, I, I have a, kind of like a, a visualization mantra I read every morning. So I take all the goals that we have or the main things that we're working on or things that I want to have some breakthroughs around and it's almost like a prayer, but it's more of like this visualization. And then I close my eyes and I see it happening and I see whatever that energy is. So I think that's a big habit. Whenever I feel stopped, I just close my eyes and see it working out. But that's a huge habit because I feel like that's so powerful. Yeah. Um, so. I, I, can definitely, I can definitely appreciate that. I think so many more people need to take more time for themselves, especially us high achievers who are on the grind and we got family and we got this and we got that. We're working a crazy amount of time that everything comes back to the business. I know every book that I've read in the last, except one, which was a relationship book, um, was all business, yeah. all negotiation, all sales, all traction, never split the difference. All these great books, which I love, but just taking a little time to just be, yeah. to consume something for fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's, it's funny because I think people that are entrepreneurial, their work is fun in some way, you know, and, and I like, you know, I, their work is, they become their work. Then it's very easy yeah. to get caught up in that. Um, and I'm not someone who likes to shop or I'm not really like that very traditional yeah. woman, to be honest with you. Um, but I, but I, you know, just reading this book, my friend gave to me, it's not really business related. I'm like, I need to be reading that, you know, and I need to be spending at least 20 minutes a day doing that somehow and not being so crammed in with my, now I'm a mom, now I'm, now I'm working in the business, now I'm here, now I'm there. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's, it's really hard to do, but you got to feel the guilt and do it anyway. Exactly. Well, we've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So tell us what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you are excited about right now. Hmm. Uh, Waking the Giant Within. Uh, Tony Robbins is an enormous like speaker and, and that's how people know of him. I don't think people know that he wrote a book, um, but I wrote, I read that in my early twenties and that's been so life-changing. Uh, and I, I should be, I should read it, reread it um, again soon, but I, I remember a lot of it. And so it's a huge book too, but it's a great chock full. Like if you're a human being, you should read that book. I couldn't agree more. That was my gateway to Tony Robbins okay. and to personal development. And I, you know, been on a heck of a journey ever since. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's just so much good within it and it really just opens your eyes to some awesome things. So thank yeah, you for sharing huge. that with us. Mm-hmm. From an inspiration standpoint, who are some of your mentors, the people you learned from and looked up to over the years and how have they influenced your career? It's hmm. a really good question. I mean, a lot of authors, you know, I would start with Wayne Dyer. Uh, I, I, you know, I was, that was just a huge kind of spiritual um mentor, if you will. I mean, I don't know the guy, but I read all of his books and, you know, it just really opened my eyes to, wow, it's, I was, I was raised Catholic. So I thought that was the only way I knew how to, you know, correlate with what I called God. So that was huge for me. Marion Williamson, same. I know she's running for president now, but her books and her content have been so impactful uh, from a, really from a spiritual. And I think spiritual perspective, but it's also very related to business and related to your life, right? It's not just spiritual. Um, so those two there, um, you know, early on, Anthony Robbins um, re- reading that book and just, you know, I've never actually gone to one of his seminars. Um, so like, you know, I think another where I found mentors, uh, you know, I've done a lot of personal growth weekends. I've done Landmark Education, which people may or may not be familiar with. It's a three-day in-your-face sort of unravel who you are and you know, figure out who you are and where you want to go and create possibilities. But all the leaders there, I feel like were mentors for me. Um, so I, in a lot of ways, I think I've had mentors, um, you know, the boss I worked for for many years in my corporate work, um, you know, she was a mentor and I, sh- I learned a lot from her about business and how to do things and how to, do, you know, how to really work with, you know, your clients and your customers and things like that. Um, I'm trying to think of others. Um, I love Brene Brown. You know, she's been a huge mentor from a, you know, getting in touch with who you are and that kind of perspective. Uh, I love Kim uh-huh. Kiyosaki as well. You know, she's wrote a lot about being a rich woman and more of like the rich dad, poor dad stuff for women, which has been very inspiring and impactful for me to, um, I think, laid the seeds for what we're up to here, you know, with, with the investor kind of movement and community and things. Those are a few. And Oprah. I love Oprah too. <laughs> I love it. Those are some, the, there's so many good mentors out there for us to learn from. And thanks for sharing a few of yours. So from a purpose perspective, what drives you to live your best mm. life every day? To leave, to leave a legacy, to leave an impact. 
uh, to leave a really big impact to make the world, I know it sounds really corny, but to make a world, to make, make the world a better place for my kids. Um, you know, when you hear all the stuff happening on the news, it's, it's, it, you know, I don't watch the news, but I, I sometimes hear it or I glimpse, I glimpse it on social media. I actually don't, I haven't watched the news in years. Um, but, but you hear it still, you know, you still are, are, you know, you know what's going on, you know, especially in our country. And I just, that just gives me more motivation to donate more money to our local, our, our city that we're investing in so they can give money to the organization who wants to bring music to the school that they're, you know, whatever, whatever, what have you. So I try to fuel my kind of sometimes yeah. frustrations with the world into my own little corner and okay, what, what can we do? Okay, we could do yeah. really well here and help people to create more wealth for themselves so that, you know, we could all be leaving a legacy to our kids and um, give more to people. So that's what fuels me. Well, thanks so much for sharing so much of yourself and some very inspirational stories. Where can people find out more about you and get in touch? Sure, sure. The um, so like active kind of projects and, and those sort of things would probably be more on my my um, my husband and I's business called the Derosa Group. Um, so it's d e r o s a Group dot com. Uh, so that's that's our, our our business website. And then in terms of our our my podcast and the the really the kind of the women support system a community movement that we've been creating in the podcast, it's the real estate invest her h e r dot com. So, so two really great places to reach out and would love to hear from folks. Awesome. And we'll include the links to those in the show notes so you guys can all find out and, and stay in touch with Liz. Well, thanks so much. And I look forward to the next time we get to hang out. Thank you, Stephen. Really appreciate you having me on your show. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.